0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast. We are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this will encourage, equip, and empower you to live your life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Join us as we hear from regular, everyday people who are living the adventure of a lifetime in every area of their lives, including business, relationships, finances, and health. Here is your host, Justin Self. Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast.
1: I'm Justin Self, and before we get into the content, I want to take a few moments to share a little bit of history behind this podcast. In 2012, I was very depressed, I was broken, and I was on the verge of suicide. Um, I was navigating a broken marriage, a pornography addiction and I was having a very difficult time just making my ends meet. Um, My relationships were broken kind of on all sides and I was a total mess. Throughout that time uh, one thing led to another and I ended up going back to a church. I had been out of church for a while and one night I ended up having just the most radical encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He revealed himself to me in such a powerful way. Um, Ever since that moment I've never been the same. I've been completely different. You know, my life has just turned right side up. I've really come into realizing my purpose in life and believing God for things, living in faith, and just seeing the most amazing things happen. After that experience, I got right into the Word of God. I didn't want to—I didn't. I didn't know a lot, but at least I had enough sense to know that I can't build my life off just an experience. And so I got right into the Word of God, right, got right into some good teaching, and really solidified during those first few months after that experience— The scripture and the word of God, just the foundation of how you know how solid the foundation of the word of God really is in my life. And so, after a period of time, I started, you know, I went out and did what I read in the Bible. You know, I went out and laid hands on people and I prayed for them, and I started seeing people healed. Started seeing demons cast out of people. You know, it wasn't anything; it, it was totally radical to me. But I just I saw it in the Bible. I saw these truths. You know, where he says. In Mark 16, you know, these signs will follow them that believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with tongues. So I just believed it and I just started going out and doing it. And sure enough, results followed. And so this kind of started my journey of what I call, you know, living a life without limits. And the whole point behind Unstoppable is to encourage others, to equip, to teach, to empower people. I mean, everybody who's listening uh, to live a life without limits, to live up to our fullest potential. Because I believe God has a plan and a purpose for every single person on the planet. Nobody is a dud. Nobody is meant to live a mediocre life. Nobody is meant to be average. Every single one of us is meant to do something great. And whether that something is to preach in front of a thousand people, or if it's just to love the person next to you, it doesn't matter. Those are both great things. We're called to greatness. We're called to impact people. And so this whole idea of living life without limits, a lot of it focuses on our own personal faith and growing and, you know, walking in health and walking in financial prosperity and all those types of things. But the main idea is that as we do that in our own personal lives, we're growing uh, in unity as a community. So if all of us, if each of us as believers are growing in these areas and experiencing victory in these areas, we we will end up working together in unity, right? The body of Christ is going to be healthier it's stronger and more able to bring the gospel of Jesus to the dark places on the earth. We need to be victorious. We need to be living a life without limits. We are the ones on the earth who has the answer. We have the answer. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the power of God. We're the ones that should be bringing light to the darkness. And so that's the whole idea behind Unstoppable. As we grow individually, as we fulfill our own God-given purposes and potentials, we end up working together with one another in unity, and we're going to bring millions of people, billions of people into the kingdom of God. Hello, Unstoppable listeners. This is Justin Self again. Um, Just wanted to say thank you so much for listening and for supporting us on this adventure. We are up to episode five. This is the fifth one of season one, and I'm really excited to announce um, this is part two of a three-part series that we're doing with Aaron and Sally Eggman. Um, If you remember from last podcast, episode number four, we were talking um, about the brain and how we're wired for relationship and how people really connect deeply um, when we just focus on being together and we focus on really being present with that person. And if you're like me, you know, as I'm listening to episode four, I kind of feel like, you know, we really started kind of getting going with the really good stuff. And then it's like, oh no, the episode's over, you know? So, uh, sorry about that. But, uh, you know, in the interest of keeping the thing, uh, you know, less than, you know, less than an hour per, per episode, we cut it short. But so today is, uh, episode, uh, four part two. So we're calling it episode five. So, uh, I know you're really going to enjoy it. We're really getting into some deep stuff with Aaron and Sally. Um, they share about, uh, just kind of what God is doing on the earth today um, and how that relates to community and the context of relationship and like, what are some really practical takeaways that we can, um, learn from them and their research and what they're seeing in the scientific world? Um, you know, what, what can we do to partner with what God's doing on the earth when it comes to relationship, uh, with his, his plan for relationship. So I just wanted to re- read one scripture before we get started on the uh, episode today. And this is out of Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Okay. It says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. And I really feel like that sums up kind of what we're talking about today. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. And really in the Greek, that, that uh, sentence, part of that sentence could be translated, you know, be a person who loves, just be the embodiment of love to another person, love with brotherly love. And we talk about that in the podcast today. Uh, and Aaron and Sally so beautifully weave this tapestry of, um, you know, what it looks like to really just love another person, love the person you're with. And I want to mention, by the way, we recorded this back in June of 2020. I mean, COVID was going on, you know, and there was some separation, but it wasn't anything like it is now. And, you know, we had no idea uh, what kind of world we would be speaking to, speaking into when we recorded that podcast. So, It's really awesome that it speaks to the importance of community and the importance of connecting with one another as people. So um, I know you're really gonna enjoy it. Last thing, um, you might notice that my voice sounds better. Uh, No, I haven't been drinking more tea. Well, maybe a little, but uh, this is our new equipment. So thank you so much for you, um, the supporters that have helped financially support this and um, we were able to get new equipment. Uh, You will still hear the old equipment in the podcast for the next couple episodes until we uh, get on the new equipment stuff. But at least for these little intros, um, you'll hear some nice nice sounds from the new mic. So just wanted to say thank you guys so much. All right, let's go ahead and get into the episode. Episode five, podcast, part two with Aaron and Sally Eggman. Roll it. I want to say
2: something about the brains connecting cuz what you're talking about Aaron is it's what something that i you know since we're talking about science i like to call that an emergent property when you look at a brain isolated by itself it has certain functions it has certain properties but when you put two brains together it's like it's it's similar to looking at a flock of birds flying together when you look at one bird you don't see that synchrony of motion as a whole flock flies together but you put the bird with Thousand other and others and it becomes this beautiful pattern in the sky and it's similar to that. That's an emergent property We couldn't tell that from just looking at the bird by itself same with our brains
3: And that's the emergent brain science there the difference between putting one brain underneath a scanner and seeing what happens how does change occur and 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 that's what we've been doing for years and years and years is how can we enact change with one brain but the thing is, is we're not limited to one brain. We're never, we, that was never God's plan, never from the very beginning. We we're born into family. Our brains develop and are grow in family. So we're never limited to one brain when we have the family of God. And that's where change is supposed to happen. That's God's revival wineskin right there. It's family. It's brains lighting up together in synchrony. It's
1: resonating together. This is so pertinent yeah. to what we're dealing with today yeah. with the current events of the day. And, yep. you know, the important, the thing that I, and I know our pastor has been talking about this, but this is something I've been feeling as well, is unity. Mm. Like the unity of the body of Christ yes. is paramount in these days. Yeah. And it's become more and more important. And this is a whole nother reason why why that is. Yeah. You know, how many of us are dealing with, with situations and issues that, you know, how many people are, are Yeah, we're going to the Bible and we're spending time in the prayer closet. But really, there are situations that are not being resolved. There are are deep-seated emotional things that maybe haven't healed. And people are asking the Lord, heal me of this. And he's saying, you know, I want to heal you. I have this healing for you. But yet we're not going out and we're not connecting with other believers. We're not connecting and having koinonia fellowship. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I'm hearing. Yes. You know, and that's really what is resonating in me. And and you're hitting on something so powerful
3: is I think in the Christian circles, God did pour out this amazing move of God in which he was touching people um, in very powerful ways. It was especially the Toronto movement. It was just a sovereign move of God where God just came into a room, exploded, people would hit the ground, laugh, and their brains would change. But what God is doing right now on the earth is kind of different. It's, 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 he's calling his body into this deep, koinonia, this deep place of fellowship, this deep place of empathy. And again, this is happening in the science. That was the science back then too. And that's what God was doing. But God is doing something different right now on the earth. And it looks like change happening in this really deep heart-to-heart way that's completely different from the, the way it was right before. And if we're not careful, we can miss what God's doing on the earth because we're so expecting him to do it in the prayer closet. And right now, I think he's doing it when we're with one another and we're allowing Christ to, we're, we're being his hands and his feet. We're feeling and dealing with them and we're holding their pain and holding um, that and going with them and undoing aloneness. I think really that's what God's doing right now is he's undoing our deep places of aloneness in relationship. And it's still God. It's still God. It was God when he when He came down and, and he hit, Move sovereignly, and it's still God when when He is when you see God through somebody else's eyes, and they're with you in, in that empathetic way.
2: It reminds me of the scripture um, in in the book of Matthew, where it, where it talks about you know, and at the end of the age, you know, people will, you know, Jesus will say, "Hey, you know, you you served me when I was in jail, you fed me, you know, um, when I was hungry, you cared for me when I was sick," you know, and the the person says, "Well, Lord, I didn't do that, but." when we meet someone in those places, we are actually being Jesus to that person or we're being served by Jesus in that situation. And I think it's both and. I don't think God ever separated a, a supernatural sovereign encounter with, you know, uh, a supernatural sovereign encounter with a person, that through a person. So I think if we recognize that both are God moving through either sovereign means or through a person, it's, they're both him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what are, what are some, what are some things that are really on your heart as far as what, what can, what does this shift mean for us? Really? I know you've kind of gone over that, but really what's like the one thing that you're like, you really feel like okay, what does this change? What does this mean for us as, as believers and as Christians and as communities and families? Um, does it look like doing church differently? Does it look like doing groups? I mean, what, does, is there a program associated with this or is this a heart change? Is this a call to, you know, a, a new style of love? You know, what, what is it that's on your heart about this?
3: Yeah, I really do think it's the way that we, it's that inner voice that we cultivate. It's, it's the way we treat ourselves and it's the way we treat others. So when we're when somebody sits down with us and they share, you know, hey, you know, I'm feeling fear right now. There's there's a different way of being with that person. So if you're uncomfortable with fear, you'll push fear away. So perhaps you'll say, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. And that would be what you would tell the person who's feeling the emotion fear. And when you do that, it's like you're pushing fear out of awareness, but there's a different way of being. When someone says, I feel fear, drop what you're doing and give them your full, your your presence, become fully present, get open, curious, accepting, and loving towards, towards that fear. Understand that if you understood that fear, it would make sense. Validate that fear. And then just be empathetic as we have dealt with emotion fear inside of ourself and we've emotionally regulated it and it's not so overwhelming to us. Right now it is. And that part of the person that feels fear is alone. And the way to heal that fear is to undo that fear's aloneness. So, So drop what you're doing and be like, you're feeling fear and invite that part of the person that feels fear into relationship with you. And as you are there and as you hold that fear with one another and you are incarnational towards that person feeling fear, they're gonna see it in your eyes that that, you know, it's, fear is not that overwhelming. It's not that bad. Like, oh my goodness, I can feel this fear. It's an emotion, it comes, I feel it. It lasts a minute or two or three and then it's, it's over. Now all of a sudden you've taken fear and you've permanently and transformationally changed that fear network in the brain so that in, when they when the same things that used to have them feel fear, instead, now all of a sudden, they're going to see your loving face, your eyes, your your tender, and they're not going to feel alone. All of a sudden, they're going to feel connected instead of feeling fear. They're going to feel accompanied instead of fe- feeling fear. And so, instead of fixing, saving, or solving someone when they bring a negative reality into a relationship, stop what you're doing and just give them your full presence give them yourself open wide your heart and also let's say okay so someone brings fear in and you you stop feeling and dealing right okay so open curious accepting and loving towards self all right so i became emotionally dysregulated if i understood why it would make sense and then go and seek out someone it could be a therapist it could be a coach it could be you know just a friend that you have who who is who is really able to go to that fear with you and just bring it into relationship a group is an amazing an amazing powerful thing too and and just being able to begin to track and notice when when you become emotionally dysregulated when you're not fe- when you're feeling not dealing when you're dealing not feeling and then be proactive about growing in love and then now taking that aspect of you and bringing it into relationship and receive the grace and love for yourself so that then you can now offer that to others when they say, Hey, I'm feeling fear. You can now become present and be fully there with them and go with them and hold that with them. It's just like the baby and the mom. When a baby feels fear, the mom doesn't say, Oh my gosh, that's too much, right? Instead, the the mom, looks at the baby and says, wow, you feel fear. And like maybe holds the baby close or pats the baby's back or like the baby's like, oh, okay, not that bad. Okay, so it's scary. All right. Scariness feels like this. Okay. All right. And now fear becomes not a negative thing, but fear becomes a really powerful thing because fear is an emotion. And that emotion says something like you feel unsafe. And the adaptive action tendency of I feel unsafe is I want to take action to become to become safe. And so with the emotion fear regulated, now you can know when you don't feel safe and you can take adaptive action tendencies to become safe. And so fear it just all depends on how we view fear. If we view fear as a demon, then we cast it out. If we view fear as as this this this, you know, horrible thing that we can't go towards, we we make it go away. But if we see fear as this resilient mechanism that can give you information about your environment that can help you to take adaptive action tendencies, then you're gonna to want to make sure that you we, we emotionally regulate it so that we can harvest its resources.
2: And even with, with that being said, we believe demons are yes. real. Um, and just like the scripture that you, you shared, I, I believe that what you're saying is when you emp- can empathize and enter into yes. the other person's world, they actually get an experience of that verse that you mentioned. And yes. they get an experience of what power, love, and a sound mind feels like. Yes. And it becomes internalized inside yes. of them. And, you know, and of course you have to discern between emotions and demons. Yeah. Okay. Because they're not the same.
3: But and, and I think here's the deal, though. It's like there's a person and the person's feeling fear. We can, you know, if there's a demonic spirit, we can cast that out. That's easy. But... When it's a person, it's like let's just go with them there. And I think we're gonna find out a lot of times it's not so like maybe there's a spirit attached to it, but that that's not our focus. Our focus is the person and being with them. And I've I've seen, you know, any spirits of fear associated with someone who's feeling the emotion fear leave in the you know, perfect love casts out fear. How do we interpret that verse? I believe it has everything to do with what I'm talking about. When we feel fear, let's bring it into perfect love. Let's not quote. Over, let's not say perfect love casts out fear and try to make fear go away. <laughs> Instead, let's say perfect love casts out fear, and and now bring fear into perfect love, which is God, and which is God through people.
1: This is super practical. Yeah, I mean, how many times do we do that? You know, I think as as Christians, we can. We can do that. We can. Let's just quote a verse. But what I'm hearing you say is, "Hey, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn." Yeah. That doesn't just mean putting on a face with somebody. That means literally putting aside your stuff, putting aside this idea that you are going to just be the super spiritual superhero. Yeah and you're just going to lay hands on them and then boom there, you know, all their pro- problems are gone. Yes, the, the power of laying, laying on of hands is is a doctrine of the of the Bible. It's in Hebrews 6. It is one of the doctrines. It works. You know, there's what you're talking about is actual deep transformational change the way God actually intends these things to happen. Like he yeah. intends it for it to be a relational experience. Like I love what you said about the mother and the baby. It's like the mom doesn't look down at the crying baby. And, you know, maybe Jenny, you can share some light on this thing. But it's like, I know you've had a lot of revelation on perfect love casts out fear. It's not this thing where you just, I mean, you know, you guys aren't here with me seeing this, but Aaron is talking with his hands. And every time he talks about, you know, pushing this shame down, he's like pushing his hands down. It's almost like you're just suppressing something yeah. that's going to spring back up later. Yep. You know, you're know. Not, we're not dealing with these things, you know, and how do we deal with it? Are we talking about embracing something that the enemy has has designed for our life? No, we're not talking about embracing those things and, and bringing them in and, and partnering. We're not talking about partnering, but we are talking about identifying fear and identifying what's going on and not being so quick to say, oh, this is actually, this is something of the devil, so therefore I have to just quickly snap my fingers and it has to go away. Well, there's deep roots probably. There's things happening. There are There's, there's situations that are deeper than just a quick one second answer yes. is what I'm hearing.
4: I think it takes a lot of the pressure off of us to have to feel like we have to have the answer to everything. Um, and I really love what you guys have been saying about in the context of relationship. Um, and I know for Justin and I, one of the biggest things has been when we move down here, um, you know, feeling isolated and feeling alone. And um, we've been purposefully seeking out relationships and purposefully seeking out individuals. Um, But I think one of, I know for me, um, I just love the fact that since we met you guys, we've just been able to really connect on that deep level. And, you know, when you talk about just being being with someone and just, you know, dropping what you're doing and being present and you know, the word talks about bearing each other's burdens. That's kind of what that brings to mind for me is because everybody's got an answer and everybody thinks their answer is right. And I think when we actually take a moment and and step back and step out of the emotion and, and seek the Lord, um, then that's when you get clarity. Um, but you can't, you can't just be in an in, in an emotional vacuum and get your answer
3: yeah yeah yeah
4: I think
2: yeah definitely what you're saying about isolation it's it's so painful and I know in my own life isolation has it's just yeah that, I mean I would say that's probably the most painful aspect of the things that I've experienced and the, the most um difficult obstacles that I've overcome is is that isolation and aloneness and I I mean I I just think of what God said in, in the garden. To, to you know, He said, "It's not good that man be alone." Yeah. And it, He designed us to connect. He designed us to be with people. And I believe as we learn to do that in family and in, in community and learn to fellowship, I think the way that He originally intended, I do believe that we're going to experience su- such greater levels of healing and growth and amazing fruit from that.
3: I love that verse you brought up. Um, when we think about the context of when that, when God said it is not good for man to be alone, we need to think about the context. It was the Garden of Eden. They had perfect communion with God. They walked with God in the cool of the day. And God still said, it is not good for man. To, or this is when when Adam was alone um, without without Eve. It's like he had perfect fellowship with God horizontally, he got to talk with God. And vertically. And vertically, thank you. <laughs> um, vertically, God, vertically, Adam and God were, had this amazing alignment. But it was in that context of that perfect alignment that God said, man is still alone. And so from, his, from the very original intent of God in the garden, it was never meant for us only to get our needs met by God. God still declared man alone.
1: Oh, that's, a, that's a major statement, I yeah. think. That's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, keep going. But, I mean, yeah. I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. It's like... It's huge. <laughs> is God enough? Yeah. I mean, we, we say yes, but the answer is is that he actually designed family. Exactly. So, <laughs> there's more to it.
3: It was never God's intent for us to get all of our needs met by him. Because he declared us alone. Even when we had perfect communion with him, when Adam had perfect communion with him, he still declared, it is not good for man to be alone. Because what does that that show? It shows that God, we we have a person-shaped whole and we have a God-shaped whole. And both are very, very, very important to us as humans. That's the way, that was God's original intent for us to have a people-shaped whole. And so when we come in and we try to do away with getting our needs met in relationship, we're doing away with God's original plan. God's original plan was never to only get our needs met vertically. It was, why would he call it the body of Christ? There's the language, the metaphors of the Bible. Um, You're you're each a part of the body. Um, it, It shows our interdependent need and that being very critical to growth and development.
2: Yeah, the the, the uh, theological part of my brain is thinking, well, technically everything comes from God. So you could say that, you know, we still get all of our needs met from God. Yes. But there's not a superior way in the sense of when he meets a need through a person or whether he meets a need as we read the word and we, we gain this insight um, or a supernatural encounter of some kind. There's not a superior way when it's all, when it's all grounded in his word, when it's all grounded in him, it can be any of those ways that he's designed.
1: There's a verse I was thinking of in Proverbs and it talks about how a man who seeks isolation, you know, is seeking only himself. And what I'm hearing from you guys, you know, and again, it, we're hearing this in the scriptures is that it's so important for us um to be connecting with other people, especially during hard times, but definitely in times of peace as well. And it's not only just good for us, like rah, rah, let's just have a good time, but it's really good for, it's it's actually part of the redemptive plan of God yeah. on the earth. And let me even up the ante a little bit. I think
3: some of the reason that we were unable to connect with people is we're not in touch with our own needs. And we've become so adept at quoting scriptures when we feel away, that we've done away with our ability to even bring our vulnerable parts into relationship. And I think it's time for us to allow ourselves to have needs, to get in touch with our needs so that now we can now bring them into relationship and now we can have those encounters. And And so I'm really calling people to let's get more in touch with our internal world so that we can have that depth of connection that, that God has intended for the church.
2: I can't remember exactly the scripture reference. I think it's in 1 Corinthians um, when, or 2 Corinthians when Paul talked about the coming of Titus. And h- he was so comforted by Titus's presence. And you know, Paul, this incredible man of God, this you know, apostle wrote you know, a lot of the New Testament, he had a need for comfort. And it was met, the need was met by a, a person. That God sent Titus and to come to bring comfort. And really it was God's comfort through Titus.
1: What are some practical takeaways from the things God's shown you in the research? You know, what do we do? How do we partner with unity? And how do we partner with this thing? I know you just mentioned a few things about looking introspectively, but
3: um. Yeah. Um, I like to take Heidi Baker's concept of stopping for the one. And I think Practically stopping for the one. But doing that first in inside of self and off like stopping for the one, and sometimes that one is you. And I think as we stop for the one internally, and we we become emotionally intelligent and more aware of what's happening inside of ourself, and we we bring these we connect our needs. And as we begin to have those experiences ourself, then when we stop for the one in relationship, it looks like you're, a bit, you, you have now the capacity as we started talking about in the beginning. Like I realized I did not have the capacity to love my wife. I, I realized I could not feel empathy in various emotions.
2: I didn't make it easy for him either.
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> And so I realized that it was I needed to stop for the one. But what does that look like? It looked like me find like connecting myself with individuals who could embody Christ to me. I could receive the comfort into those deep places. And so seeking out and developing a, a life team in your own life. Uh, between, a life team is uh, between three and ten people in which you're um, adult to adult. Um, you share your needs and they share their needs with you and developing three to 10 people in your life in which you actually are proactive about bringing your needs into relationship. As you have that life team, then when someone shares something that they're going through, you can stop for the one. So I encourage people stop for the one inside of self for the very for the only purpose of growing in love so that you can stop for others. This is, this is not about a self like focus on self. This is very much of a grow in love so that we can have the capacity to go and feel empathy with people to the depths.
2: My, my thought on this is, you know, when Aaron, you said stop for the one, you know, I think we can stop for the one in every direction. We can stop for ourselves. We can stop for others and we can even, most importantly stop for God and I I think of how sometimes I'll I'll read the Bible and there might be a passage that offends me a little bit and and I have to kind of step back and think I actually I really do want to know all of God I really do want to accept all of who God is and and embrace who he is and not just this image that I imagine who he is and I, and I, I believe that as I experience his acceptance of me and the transformation and the love that He gives me, it empowers me to then love Him back and and embrace who He is and accept Him and know the truth of who He is. And in return, I can I can then do the same thing with other people and accept them, love them, and see their transformation as well.
4: I, uh, um, you know, just talking about. Emotional control and regulating yourself. And there's so much that goes into that. Um, and I am fascinated with emotions and regulating. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of introspection, and it's um, something that's really of high value for us to raise our child, to raise Caleb, give him the tools to be able to regulate and do those things. Um, I just am reminded of Proverbs 25, 28, where it says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Mm. Um, and just how how important it is um, to be in touch with your emotions and to have a handle on that and to be able to, to work through those things. Um, and... It's a, got a protective mechanism, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't really realize until I, you know, you, you sit and think about that. But um, we have dominion over those things. God has given us dominion over those things. And I think it speaks volumes. When you can see a person, their reaction is probably the first thing that you notice. It's not what comes out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's their reaction. And I remember when Kayla was little— He, God was just speaking to me and I was awake at like two or three in the morning and, you know, you're up and your hormones are wackadoodle and you're a new mom and you're in a fog because you're tired and exhausted. But I feel like I got so much revelation out of that. And God, I just remember Caleb fell back and whacked his head on his crib and he looked to his parents He looked to the authority figure. He looked to, you know, looked to that to see what our response was gonna be. And a lot of things, how we choose to respond can either add fuel to the fire or it can diffuse the situation. And I just, with all all the current events and everything going on, I wanna be a person that you can look and say, okay, just just by how you respond you don't even need to say anything and some you were talking about like when you are with a person and you have that connection and and the brain connection sometimes you don't even have to say anything you just sit and listen Mm -hmm. and you sit and you let them see what your response is and it can temper and it can change the entire situation and we it's like what should our response be as a church as the body of christ What are we supposed to do? What practically does that look like? And I feel like that looks like us being bold, not being aggressive, not being in people's face, not, you know, shoving things down people's throats, but being real with people and recognizing their hurts and their fears and their anxieties. It's, that's a reality for people. It might not be for certain people. It is a reality for people that we have either ignored or pushed down or suppressed or said you need to get over this you need you know people don't need that people have had that and they're tired of it and they're sick and they're they're just tired and they want to know that what they have to say what you know their experiences are valuable and a lot of people's experiences they their identity is they get their identity from their experience good bad or indifferent and we need to let people know that they're valued and there's value in their story. There's value in their, in their, in their stuff, you know, and that's what God did for us. You know, we were, he pulled us out of the, the miry muck, you know, he's not afraid of the ugliness and he embraces that ugliness and we all have it in one shape or form or another we all have our stuff and we need to deal with our stuff so that we can help others deal with their stuff and not out of a place of condemnation and not of, out of a place of judgment, but just out of a place of, I would love to hear your experience. Please let me hear your perspective and and let give them that opportunity and give them that, that place. Um, and I, I really do feel like that is going to be able to diffuse the underlying anger because people feel like they're not heard and they're not listened to. And that's when people are Mm -hmm. like, okay, enough is enough. I'm tired of feeling like nobody listens, nobody cares. And that's when you feel that anger and that angst Mm -hmm. and that all of the the festering stuff that's just been pushed down for so long, it all starts festering and it all comes out and Mm -hmm. it's, it's ugly, Mm -hmm. but God's not afraid of the ugliness. Yeah.
2: So, so good what you're saying, Jenny. It just it makes me think, it's you know, if someone's going through some deep pain and, and they're suffering, they could be surrounded by people. But if those people, for whatever reason, either can't or won't or just don't take the time to listen and be with that person... That person could be surrounded by so many people, but they're still alone.
1: So good what you're saying, Sally. But we are out of time on today's episode. We're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll pick this back up in episode six.
0: Thank you for listening to The Unstoppable Podcast. For more, visit us at justinself.org. Join our email list at justinself.org to receive exclusive weekly content, along with more teachings, blogs, and other resources. You can also connect with us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive God's promises and live a life without limits.